Any other business? Do that now, Terry. You might as well get out of the way. It'll be all night. We need to be out of here an hour and a half, so starting now. Ding, ding. All right, that's your, you're out, Terry. You've been catted out. No any other business this week. <laughs> Welcome to the Nourish Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, a full-strength team, Mr. Martin Theobald. Yeah, I had a week off last week, and it's all right, I sent you the voice note for you to put into mm-hmm. the podcast for yeah. me. Yeah. And I listened, and... It's, it's, it's uh, one of those, like... They're like a secret track. track. You, you, have, you have to basically play it backwards. You know when you, you used to put a CD in, it used to say there were, like, 99 songs on it, yeah. and so it meant by the end of, like, the ones that were listed on the CD cover, all 13 had ended, and you've got to find that, that yeah. secret one somewhere in there. Yeah, it's, it was... Did you put it in a CD player? No, I didn't put oh, it in a CD. Oh, there you go, see? Fucking put you in a CD player. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it, and I was like... Ah, oh, no, in all truth, I completely forgot. <laughs> I know, I know, because I listened to it. <laughs> Terry. I, Terry, I, 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 I remembered, and in fact, I told Andy, you might want to put that in there. That and then, a, then we heard the Conor McGregor. We heard flagrant the, lie. Yeah, the then way. we heard the Conor McGregor clip, and that kind of just coloured colored our whole thing. Right? After that, we were just... <laughs> <laughs> you mean that one that when you text me, and I went, don't put that in. <laughs> That got put in, but my voice note I sent you didn't. Fucking brilliant. Priorities, mate. But as I said on last week's pod, it was like, you know when the teacher goes out and it's just the kids in there. Right. <laughs> so, uh, anything exciting <laughs> happened on your respective weekends? Well done. I've had a very boxing-heavy weekend. Oh, okay. That's um, good. So Friday, I was down at a weigh-in for Linus. Um, and then down at your call last night. So Linus and Kay um, prosper. Then your call last night. We'll come on to that later. That's it? Nothing exciting happened? Nah, nah, no nothing at all. child-based irritations or escapades? Nah, nah, kids are good. Kids are good, man. I've enjoyed it. Um, Terry's about to eat his... I don't know. Sure macaroni you... snot or whatever the hell it is that he's put in the microwave what, 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 for nine what, what, minutes. What's the hatred, man? It's, it's, it's that crab macaroni Just tell me, like... Crab mac and cheese is good. Has come anyone like... out there ever had to microwave a... A meal for but nine mind, minutes when frozen my micro- solid. My though. microwave is thousand hertz as well. It's like top well, top watts, end power. But yeah, like it's like nine watts. minutes straight through as well. There was no five minutes. Take it out, stir it, put it back for four. No, it was, it was nine like, through. <laughs> I've never one seen one piece of pasta in there that will not cool down for two thousand years. I've never seen and the rest of like it still it. frozen. <laughs> seen anything like it and then when it picked it up I'm like yeah. fuck me I took it out of the microwave with oven gloves and then it, Terry instantly picked it up I think Terry's got a burglary <laughs> to do later he's just taking his fingerprints off tactical Terry tactical uh, oh I got a request actually to uh, from uh, someone to ask what the update of Cine World was <laughs> <laughs> nah I'm, nah I feel like you know We've had enough things on Twitter about legal threats and 
Shout out to Paul Leach. Um, he he was the one. He was a, a guy I worked with, and he was he was very interested in the no. City World update. No, honestly, like oh, I'm he so City World. Nah, and she's going there tonight. My wife. I'm raging about this. Honestly, to I'm told her to go Odeon. But nah, it's nah. Your wife. Anyway. Honestly, swear. <laughs> Even word. your wife doesn't agree with you. I know anger. she does. It's a new C word for me. <laughs> Shall not be repeated upon this pod. Okay, Terry, do you get anything up, up to anything exciting this weekend? Just passed. Fuck, I'm trying to remember. What did I do yesterday? Fuck, it was a rugby yesterday, wasn't it? So. And he just adjusted the microphone there for yeah, for just put it right up by my forehead now. So now I'm, I'm literally here like you Liam can put Gallagher. It down slightly, but when you, you first Liam esque, yeah, I'm just here like this, like literally chin in the air, proper, <laughs> proper small hall boxer style. So you can't remember half your weekend. That's no, a good start. That, so it wasn't that interesting. I don't imagine if I can't remember it, but <sighs> shit happens. How the fuck do we? Hey, hey, how, how did we lose the Six Nations? But how the fuck did we end up drawing with Scotland? You know, when you were, you were 31, you know, it's 31 nil up. And you're just like, yeah, fuck it. You know, let, let's just run them over. And then England were England again. Like we are in every sport where we're like, yeah, how about we just throw it away to a team that hasn't got anywhere near as many players as us or anywhere near as much money as us. And there you go. Just showed. What's, his, what's his coach's name, Eddie? Jones. Eddie Jones. Yeah, he did say that he knows what's wrong with it, but... Fuck it, you've been there for four years, like, you know, it's taking you this long to figure it out. I could have told you on day one. But I I don't know, I don't follow it that much, but does he now know what's wrong with it? After losing a 31-point lead, he's gone, I know now. It's something that's not easily... He said, like, having that problem of throwing away leads cost New Zealand... This is is beyond my knowledge, but cost New Zealand two World Cups... He said, "You just have to, it's something you have to try and get over. We know what's wrong with it, and we're trying to work on a solution, but it yeah. takes time." No, that's not actually true. Like, like France ran over New Zealand in the beginning. Like, there's all kinds of stuff that happens. He's, he's talking out of his Why backside. Why are we talking about egg chasing? New age, new age. Like, oh, he's, he says it like he's never played it. I used to play it. I used to play it a lot, but yeah, yeah. I also didn't turn up on a Sunday to go and talk about it. Ooh. <laughs> 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 all right. It was actually a horrible day of sport yesterday. So. What was the United? Oh man! After yeah. after seven o'clock, it, it was just amazing. Totally, totally depressing in every. Oh, aspect. It was just a great like. At one point, England were thirty-one nil up in the rugby, and Man City were two nil down, and then something then happened. It all crumbled. Someone tripped on a switch upstairs, and it all went wrong. <laughs> Fuck you, Andy. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess we should talk about some boxing, really, shouldn't we? Terry, have you actually watched any boxing this weekend? Yeah, good. Four change. Two of us. Ooh. Sorry, that makes two. And he sheds his <laughs> Not including myself. <laughs> makes two of them. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so. Uh, you, you watch 40 second clips on Twitter, you told is, us. Well, that is true. I did actually watch the Spence Garcia fight in very, very small snippets. So, but nobody cares what I think anyway. So S- let's Sergei Snipnitz. My ITV recording of that didn't work. I woke up this morning to go and put it on. I'm not getting up overnight. Now that I've got... I normally end up streaming like BT and Sky stuff. But when it's on ITV, brilliant. I'll record that in the morning. <laughs> I'll set the kids up with breakfast and then I'll go upstairs and watch Just it. Just cons- consume it. Yeah. I'll go and turn it on. This like recording failed. Cheers, box. <laughs> so that's a daily motion it instead. Raging. Raging. <laughs> I was going to go down Cineworld for the repeats. <laughs> um, Friday. We have the DAZN show, uh, which presumably 
judging by the agenda that you've scrawled in front of me, uh, included Tevin Farmer versus somebody Carroll. John O'Carroll. John O'Carroll. Yeah, so I, I thought we'd better include it for, you know, because we're Posterity. boxing podcasts and that. I didn't watch it because, I mean, I've seen the results of it all and the results are 100% what you would have predicted beforehand. Um, what I would have predicted, or anybody with any level of education okay, towards so it. I'm so not assume, you. I'm assuming that Tevin Farmer smashed John O'Carroll. He beat him on points convincingly. Because right. for me, Tevin Farmer is someone I've heard of. Whereas John O'Carroll is almost like you know those blokes in WWF in the old days, where it was like <laughs> somebody had a jobber, an, the, bro- someone, the Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah, somebody nah. had an entrance music, but the other bloke was already in the ring, and you're like, he's going down. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't even got an entrance song. The one, two, three, kid. But then he beat Razor Ramon. Yeah, didn't he? yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, no, John, John O'Carroll. I mean, he's coming off the back of a draw. His last fight was an eliminator to fight for this world title. And it just showed you how much bollocks these eliminators and titles are. In that he was in like an eliminator to fight for that title. Drew, and I think you could probably say quite lucky to get the draw, and then fights for the title anyway. Because, <laughs> well, why not? Why not? So, what's the point in these eliminators if you're just going to fight for titles anyway? Um, but. As I say, I haven't watched it, so I can't. Just every opinion I've read was that he was brave in defeat, but you know he lost convincingly enough that it wasn't any contentious kind of decision, which is pretty much what you would have guessed before the fight. Did you see it, Terry? Sorry, mouthful, Terry. Mouthful wow. of napalm. Yeah. He comes oh, to. He comes fucking to love it, mate. I'm turning out to be like like the new Drago. Look. Let's let's be brutally honest, right? John O'Carroll's the least deserving challenger for a world title in a long time. He's more famous for his beard than he is for his boxing. And I know Seamus Campbell's going to pull me up and say I don't like Irish boxers. Oh, fucking hell. I, I, Do you dislike Irish boxers? Not at all. Well, tell us some Irish boxers you like. Um, <laughs> Luke Keeler. There you go. Um, on the amateur scene, I love Kelly Harrington. I love Dervla Duffy. And I've just found out the Irish way to spell Dervla. Fuck me. That's just, it's just literally like, you know, in Countdown where they just pull the letters out at random. Yeah. yeah. That's all it is. It's, it's not Dervla at all. I'm like, Jesus, what the hell is this? You just like Comrade Cummings. You were. Uh... Conrad, look, for me, Conrad's a good guy. His career stalled a lot. Why he hasn't fought Luke Keeler, I don't know. I think that's a fight that would be big in Ireland. Uh, in the heavyweights, like Thomas Carty, he's a he's a good fighter. Con Sheehan, people don't give credit for, you know, plugged away in, in the shadows for ages. Then the guys like Tyrone McCulloch, the guys like Paddy Barnes, well, who are like Mick Conlon. There are a lot of Irish boxers I like, but I'll tell you who my favourite Irish boxer is. John O'Carroll. <laughs> no, less of a beard. He should be, a, he should be up for another world title shot. Amy Broad, no, Amy Broadhurst. Now, unless you know amateur boxing, you won't even know who Amy Broadhurst I'm is. Familiar. So Amy Broadhurst is, she, I think she's 21, 22. Yeah. And for the last six years, whatever European or world tournament there has been, she's just won. And you know when people talk about Kate, Katie Taylor's the best Irish boxer ever, and I'm like, this is kid Amy Broadhurst, who all she needs now, a couple of Olympic medals, and she's something special. Absolutely crazy. So she'll she'll do the Irish championships win those come over and do the ABAs in England <laughs> and win those like basically she's just on a tour she's cleaning up no she's a class act so now so like, look, Irish boxing is booming and, you know when DeGale retired we talked about Darren Sutherland as well so you know they're, they're, there are a lot of good Irish boxers John O'Carroll's not one of them that's the reality of it John O'Carroll is is a guy do you know what he is he's like a 
Oh, there we go. If you took Conor McGregor and took all the X factor out of Conor McGregor, you'd get John O'Carroll. And it says it all that you draw with someone who's ranked on page one of BoxRec when you're on page two and a half of BoxRec, whatever John O'Carroll's ranked at. I'm like, why didn't he get the farmer fight? He has a better record. And, you know, it's, it's that whole thing of, and people say, oh, you just have a go at certain promoters. No. Anyone that keeps a belt hostage in their stable, I'm against. And I don't like what Hearn's doing with this. Farmer, Farmer was that guy that the internet loved because he looked good in three minute, 32 second clips, right? In a 12 round fight, he doesn't look that great. He's good to the purists because they love all the stuff he does. But you're like, you're so dominant over someone. I want to see you hurt someone. And we've never, we've never really seen that in farm. We don't see him hurt people. We don't see him drop people. We don't see him dominate like his talent suggests. So for me, it's another example of Hearn trying to do that money ball shit that he tries to do where he's trying to polish a turd. I just don't think Farmer's a guy that will cross over. Okay, we seem to have tipped our hat quite considerably to that fight given that you didn't really more, you didn't think it was worth talking about. Well, that's where the way it was suggested. Yeah. So no, it's not that it wasn't on. worth, like, yeah, we kind of need to acknowledge that this card happened, but I'm not really sure why. Where well, did well, it happen, I t- sorry? I tell you why. America. In Philadelphia, we need to acknowledge it because of the BS that sits underneath the card, right? So you got to go all the way back down to the DAZN deal. When Hearn announced it, do you remember when Hearn was like, we've got a billion to play with? No, I don't remember nah, that. We haven't even I. talked about it. Nah, no. <laughs> no, but he did. We've got a billion to play with. And remember, like, boxing Twitter went mad. Match FC told us it's a billion minimum. You know, every, everyone suddenly became super sophisticated M&A analysts. You know, they knew all the structures of the deal, how to make it tax efficient and everything. And it slowly started to unwind where it was like, oh, yeah, we've got a billion for Hearn, but somehow we've magicked up another billion for De La Hoya. Because remember, there was no De La Hoya before. It was an exclusive deal. Yeah. And then De La Hoya comes on board. And then, then this, it starts to leak out that, wow. Now Triple G promotions are uh, a part of it. Yeah, so now, now it turns out. With equity, apparently. <laughs> it gets worse. Yeah. So then it turns out that the deal actually is... Hearn goes to DAZN and goes, I need this much money to put on this card. I think it will generate this much money. And the people at DAZN look at it and they go, eh, all right, we'll give you this much money, make it work. If that is and the that's case, what, then a billion is completely uh, invented. Yeah, exactly. It was completely meaningless. meaningless. It's, it's about they've gone, we've got 50 billion. Doesn't mean you can have it. It's yeah. just that there is 50. We've got 1 billion. And when that runs out, we're going to give up boxing. So, so, if you, so if you if you look at what Hearn's done since he's had the deal, you've had shows in these really weird places that don't make sense, right? By the way, that was possibly the worst five minutes of the podcast ever last week. Was you two going around trying to find train stations near New York? So like, what the fuck are you two on about? Do we, do I, Verona, New I York. Just, I meant, when you then I'm, just started I randomly, I mean, meant to edit that out actually. Yeah, so I want to apologise because we like to apologise. <laughs> Uh, to anyone that had to listen to these two last week, go around the train stations in Look, New York. I will happily apologise for what I said around, you know, venues and locations in New York. Anyway, let's move on to Katie Taylor. Um, unless you've got any more... No, let's move on to Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor's fought on the design show. So, did she smash someone else? Yeah, but here's the thing with Katie Taylor. 
She used to fight the people that beat her in the amateurs. All these other people she's fighting are soup cans as far as I'm concerned. The pro- but know, the, the, the thing is, I was listening last night on the way back from your call, and they were saying that she has beaten all of the world champions in the weight division above her. Right. So she's beaten them in the amateurs already. Um, so what? Like, it's a bit harsh on her, really. It's not her fault that there's such a small talent pool of... But is that the case? Is that she's, she can't find suitable opponents? Is that what it is? Because, I, albeit from... And casual doesn't even come close to how casual I am. I'm, I'm a female, casual to female, female boxing, boxing, I'll be honest. But it just looks to me like she's either she's either the second coming, or the first coming in terms of women's boxing, or or... They're just putting up against bums every but single no, time. I mean, she's not, the woman it's she beat on Friday held a world title, so she was unifying in beating her. No, but but you have to look at some of these rankings. So there are women in some of these rankings that are zero and three, and they're ranked like fifth. You yeah. know, so so that's the standard of female boxing. The issue with female boxing actually isn't that there's no one who's any good. Katie Taylor boxed at sixty kilos. 60 kilos is a sweet spot for female boxing. I think the most talented female boxers of any code are between 57 and 64, but they can go up to 60, they can come down to 60. You know, women like Sherelle Brown, I mentioned Amy Broadhurst earlier. Of course, yeah. Kelly Harrington. All these, you know, Hannah Robinson, uh, Shona Whitwell, Ellie Scottney, who are all boxing. They're all amateurs, aren't they? Yeah. So if Hearn's got a billion for the zone, Surely he should be saying, well, actually, if we want to make Katie Taylor big, let's offer some of these women who aren't going to make the Olympics the money to turn over. Yeah, that, that would make sense. But I also think it shows how little money there must be in women's boxing, that Katie Taylor now holds three of the world titles in her weight division. And when you look at, like, I don't know, say the middleweight division or the heavyweight division and how difficult it is to make unification fights between the champions <laughs> because of all the money that's getting swilled around within their, their pockets. And then you get Katie Taylor and now they're talking about her fighting to become undisputed champion on the undercard of the Joshua uh, fight in June. And so if it's that easy to like just go around paying off the other champions, like how little money is there in women's boxing? I but feel for them. Do you know how I'd, I'd respect Katie Taylor if she unifies the division and then says, do you know what? I'm dropping all of these belts. I'm going back to the Olympics. I'd really respect that move to go, I'm going to try and re-qualify for the Olympics. Why? Do the Olympics, see if she can win it. If you can't win it, come back out, unify again. And I think Clarissa Shields should do the same thing. Because the women you're going to beat in the amateurs are going to be far superior to the women you're going to beat in the pros. There's no debating that. There's absolutely no debate about just... Just the talent pool in the pros is so bad versus the amateurs. You take the top five pros at lightweight, for example. You take the top five amateurs at lightweight. Let them fight each other. The amateurs will win comfortably. So why don't they try and get these amateurs into the professional scene? There's probably more money in the amateurs. Yeah. So so you're you're so should should someone like Hearn then be using the money from men's boxing to promote women's boxing? Well, uh, then it gets tricky because. <laughs> Because should should you then be subsidising up and coming mailboxes as well? Like, I have no evidence yeah. to support this, but my strong suspicion would be that female, say football, has had a leg up from the success of men's football. I.e., big teams um, like the Manchester clubs, Liverpool clubs, ha- and Arsenal, and that having their female clubs and then the female side of their clubs, and then 
some of that money being used to promote the, that well, side of the game. And yeah. then, uh, given that kickstart, it's then become... Um, it's then got its feet quicker and promoted itself and generated its own revenue. I'm not convinced Hearn thinks there is money in female boxing. It's a Look at how many move. females he's got on his roster. Is that not is that not a self-fulfilling prophecy though of not trying to promote it enough? Uh, but I think he has tried to promote he's taken Katie Taylor <laughs> everywhere apart from Ireland pretty much which is just strange. Um but, you know, I, I don't think she's, as Terry would put it, moved the needle significantly enough in any marketplace to say to Hearn that this is a moneymaker. And ultimately, he's not a charity case, is he? Like, he's not doing it to help Katie Taylor. He's doing it because he wants to make money out of and for Katie Taylor. And I don't think that's happening. So I don't see and, that it's going to change. So it's really interesting. So Canal Plou in France have got Estelle Mosley. She boxed over the weekend as well. So she won the gold at Katie Taylor's weight in the last Olympics. Not once has Hearn mentioned that fight, which I find interesting. Although to be fair, like since the Olympics, Estelle Mosley's had a kid, had a husband get banned for taking steroids. She, she's, had a, she's had a tough life. But why, if you're Eddie Hearn and you're trying to grow women's boxing, why aren't you talking her up? And, uh, get Chantel Cameron. Yeah. She's left well, fucking Cyclone now. And suing them apparently. Maybe. Love talking about this shit on the podcast. Can't get enough of it. But let's steer away from it for today. It's tricky. But, <laughs> no, but, but, so I think... So you look at her and you go, right, the Katie Taylor thing is just a defensive move. It's... Excuse me. Let me have her so no one else has her. Don't look at the time and go, when want to edit that out. <laughs> I did, yeah. That's right. <laughs> you belching down the microphone. <laughs> no. Uh, I know him so well now. No, look. Hearn, Hearn could easily allocate half a million quid, maybe even 750k and go, look, we need to sign three other women at 60 kilos and we can build these stories around it, have Katie Taylor fight them eventually, but I need this much money to build them. And then you, the guys at zone will go, show us the numbers to validate that. And then Hearn will go, ah, yeah, about that. I'm struggling. And then they'll go, look, if you look at it in terms of social media presence, for example... There are 100 CrossFitters better known than Katie Taylor online. And that says it all. Katie Taylor is an easy way to get likes and retweets on social media. If you praise Katie Taylor, you will just get likes and retweets. And that's her value in boxing right now. Um, but it's not, I feel bad that we're almost like downplaying what she's doing. And it's not Katie Taylor's fault that there isn't the talent pool for her to be fine. So she's beaten a world champion on Friday night. And it's like we're talking down about her. Yeah. I, I, just, I, almost, I do feel bad for that in that it's not her fault there's a small talent pool. It's not her fault that she beat the world champion. It's not her fault in the amateurs she beat all the world champions in the weight division above her. But you hope like her next four fights, five fights will just be unify, sorry, make undisputed and then go up a weight division, world title, world title, world title, world title. She's, and she, then maybe she's, go up. I, I'd like to see her just go, do you know what? At 60 Just kilos. Jump to middle. Yeah. Fuck it. At 60 kilos, I'll, I'll fight anyone. Give me Clarissa Shields. Yeah, exactly. Way. Like, I, I, just do something. Well, just Wh go Breakhouse Shields. Yeah. If she did that, I'm all over Katie Taylor because I love watching Katie Taylor in terms of how she boxes. What I struggle with is I don't believe the person in front of us at yes. her level. She, yeah, yeah, so she's suffering with what happens across sport when you get a finely tuned machine with a team or a specific athlete. 
if there's not sufficient competition in front of them. But, and they, also, but just, there is in the amateurs. There are loads of women from like Uzbekistan and Azerbaijan right, well, that would give her as work. As discussed, for several reasons, they're not being put in front of her. So she is suffering because of that, isn't yeah. she? Well, yeah, and, and also due to the lack of exposure, because I know nothing about women's boxing, as in like the landscape of it. Welcome to my world. <laughs> I have no idea. That woman she fought on Friday night, I've never even heard of. And that's my naivety and my (laughs) ignorance. But for that very reason alone, why am I meant to care? It's the promoter's job to build these people into fighters that at least are seeming Mm. like a legitimate threat. But they haven't done that. All they do is build Katie Taylor. They don't build anyone else. And that's to the depth. Do you know what I find is a cross boxing? I feel like the, the bigger the fight, there's more promotion, right? And and right, well noticed. That makes sense, right? But what I mean is, when it's a massive fight, it would almost require less effort to promote it because it's so big. Yeah, it's almost like the promoters get almost as excited as we do. Like, yes, finally a good good fight that I can get behind. I can spend my budget at last. Yeah, but, but also it's about, sque- it's about squeezing think- that revenue, isn't it? So on a, let's say you do a, a show in Peterborough. You're like, you kind of accept you might lose money on that. So you're a bit like, eh, whatever, you know, we, we tick a box. But when Joshua fights, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get that last pound. You're trying to get my mum to buy it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gabe Rosado versus... <clears throat> Good luck, man. Um, uh, try Saki Weski. Just try Seletsky. I think that's how it To goes. be fair, I've thrown you an awful ball there because I mean, I've not spelt it correctly, oh, so right. you're not going to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> I couldn't be asked to look up how you spell it. It looks like hieroglyphs, but suck it wetty. Okay, that... <laughs> I just read it what's on the paper, man. <laughs> Stop calling me wetty. <laughs> you know I don't like that. Okay. Uh, right, so anyway... What happened here? Let me guess. Rosado won. No, Rosado lost. Oh, boxing throws up. Casual. A one, two, three kid. Uh, no, but everyone knows I'm a big Gabe Rosado fan. Never really sure why. Like, his record's not amazing. But much in the way that Chris Eubank Jr. is a guy that you will just watch, Gabe Rosado is another one of those guys you will just watch. Uh, this is another Hearn. So here's the thing. So Hearn tries to promote Gabe Rosado coming back to Philly. And then you remember back to when he tried to promote Gabe Rosado fighting Martin Murray, right? It was good. There will be blood. blood. Yeah. And it took. Walk forward. And and in that fight, we realized both men were well past their best. So he hopes that boxing fans have short memories. It's like, no, no, no. We remember this is the same (laughs) guy you tried to sell us before. He's not, he's, he's not that good. And they're talking about the winner that's going to fight Demetrius Andre. But you're looking at Rosado and you're like, you've never really cracked it at world level. Seletsky lost to like a, a really rusty Danny Jacobs. And I'm like, out of these two, are you going to go and fight for a world, for a world title against Andre? Who's already fighting Akovov, right? Yeah. And then you look at her and you go, but you're talking about a billion and we're not far off the 12-month anniversary of, you know, the launch of matchman to zone and i'm still like where's the big show they'll give us joshua miller i imagine but where's the we're big, looking forward to that though, where's the big show because delahoya is giving us we know with delahoya we're getting something in may something in september that will be big hern will get something in june and then we just don't really know and delahoya is late to the party but he's coming on and he's like okay 
if you don't believe I'm the real deal, I've got Canelo. I've got Oscar Valdez, who's got hands to burn. And I've got King Ryan Garcia, the most exciting young man in boxing. He has real pay-per-view assets in his stable. And you look at Hearn and Hearn's like, well, I'm kind of mates with Golovkin and I'm, a, I'm kind of mates with, you know, Danny Jacobs. And you start to look at this and you go, bloody hell, this is an absolute mess. And then you go and look at the IFL interview with Adam Smith, the guy, one I sent you guys. Yep. And you're like, I don't think he's safe at home either. Do you know when you're like, <laughs> remember when you got into trouble at school and you had to go and see the headmaster and you do stuff like pick litter, tie your shoelaces yeah, yeah. to delay it. So it was like Hearn staying in America because he doesn't <laughs> want to see Sky. Because <laughs> if, if you look at his social media, it's like Philadelphia to New York, New York to Rome, <laughs> Rome back to LA. And you're like, look, you're going to have to sit down with Adam Smith at some point because there's clearly something not right with Matchroom and Sky. Because... And, you know, I know we give Coogan a hard time for not asking the follow-up question. He did in that interview. He did. He really probed. And you could see Adam Smith bristling. And he was trying to be diplomatic and political. And he was defending the uh, Chisora Gashi and Alan Brown card, wasn't he? Which, (laughs) can I just say, it could be the greatest non-pay-per-view card if Gashi does what he did to Tom Schwartz. It'll be absolutely brilliant because Gashi gets disqualified for basically headbutting Tom Schwartz, gets disqualified, and then offers him out in the ring and it kicks off again. Because I think he is he Bosnian or Albanian originally? He's one of, yeah. He yeah. fights out of Germany, doesn't he? But. Yeah. And like his whole firm just jump in to kick off. And I just thought, can you imagine that against Chisora in the other corner? <laughs> that might be worthwhile. But yeah, he was defending that card, which, look. <laughs> That card is atrocious. That card is atrocious. You've got um, Dave Allen versus Lucas Brown and Derek Chisora versus Gashi as the two big fights. And you've got... Yeah, this is Lucas Brown who just had to get off the canvas against Sokolowski up in Scotland, looking terrible. And um, who else? It's Cordina versus... Townend. Townend, that's it. And, And Connor Ben. And Conor Ben doing what? Is he like fucking selling equipment or tap dancing? Yeah, I don't know. He just says like and Conor Ben. Featuring a song by Conor Ben. Maybe he's gonna be running the bar for the night or something. I don't know. But that card is poor. But then you get Adam Smith saying, like, oh no, I'm really happy with it. And I thought, no, you're not. And look, you are I'm not buying that. So uh, he, and he's got four or five weeks. Lucas Brown's four or five weeks to survive in camp to make it. Like I, I've spoken to a few heavyweights who've been offered sparring and they're going in to take him out because they know what it does for their reputation. If they can ice Lucas Brown in sparring, you, I mean, you build a little profile for yourself. So there are people out there looking to ice him. I get the, I'm getting the impression that if you're a heavyweight boxer, icing Lucas Brown isn't that difficult. Am I, am I overstating it there? I, I think it's easy. Um, I'd be very worried if I was Lucas Brown. But then I also, but I've also, look, I'm torn because for Dave Allen, it's great. It gets him over with the casuals, former and the, world champion. And they and can tell, yeah, he's former world champion. Um, and that'll be the, the, the key point. They can build Dave Allen around. I hope for Dave Allen, he wins it. I'm chuffed for Dave Allen that he may well be headlining it. But, you know, even as a Dave Allen friend, it's not a good card. You can't defend it. Like as <laughs> the fact they're debating that being the headline fight. If that was the main support fight to a very good fight, 
or good mm, fight, yeah. then I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that That's they're asking us like. to buy into that being the headline is like... Is it pay-per-view? No. No. But, but I'm trying to think, who else could they have dug up on this stable? Like, you get the feeling that Fielding's kind of still spending the money he made in December. And then you go, okay, so who else is there? Callum Smith. They don't really have a clue what to do with Callum Smith at the moment. But then you go, could you not get one of your Americans over here for a change? And I think there, therein lies the reality. Hearn doesn't see his future over here. I genuinely think Hearn will take what he has over here and sell it over there. Is he He's make, not going to take what he has over there and sell it here. Is he going to get caught between two stables? Like, is he going to get... I, and, and I, with With... ITV launching their platform coming over. Is he going to end up getting sort of stuck in no man's land? I, I suspect Sky will get rid of Hearn after this contract. How long's the Sky contract? It's got a year and a half? 2021. Is it beyond the realms of possibility to think he's just happy to run it down? He's happy to run it down. He's happy to put on... What, and then basically stick all his eggs in with and his own? Almost, I'm not saying purposefully make bad shows, but... Don't put, put any effort in. Don't put the effort in that you were a while back. And you kind of make Sky's boxing look a bit average. And then you walk away from it and you go and do stuff in America. And in the UK with another broadcaster, perhaps. Uh, maybe. Um, what, what, what? But then uh, DAZN you know, will eventually launch over here, presumably. Yeah, but, yeah you uh, would think so. That's what could end you, up happening. You would he, he throws you, all of his eggs in with DAZN and they launch over in the UK. You will imagine... Dezo- You've been watching... D- the zone will start circling when some of the more tasty sports rights become available in this country. <laughs> It'll be like, you can just see, like, literally three days after the contract ends, you've been watching terrible stuff on Sky for the last five years. And now <laughs> for just prepared. £10 a month, you can watch my brilliant boxing shows. <laughs> I'm actually going to put good stuff on the zone. <laughs> I've got O'Hara Davis back. I've got Eubank Jr. back. But you know what? I know, James DeGale's back. I know you're willing to pay £30 a month. No, you don't even have to do that. <laughs> now it's only a tenner. Come on board. <laughs> we're going to get to that point. We're going to get to that point. I you off anymore. You, you know, like in wrestling. You know, you know, in wrestling, it was like when Randy Orton would come down as a face and then just turn on someone. I've no idea what you're on about. And you'd have Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler in tears going, my God, think of your family. Think of your friends. <laughs> you know when they get super emotional? <laughs> and that's what will happen with her because... He'll turn into Randy Orton. I hope so. He just like literally turned. What he's talking about is blokes just literally switching from one side, going from a face to a heel. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. But because you look at you look at the landscape and you go, ITV and Heyman, you know what you're going to get. Like if you look at Q1 this year, ITV have won the quarter. There's no debating that they've given us far better fights, and we don't have to pay for most of them. I'm happy with that. And then you look at Sky and you go, okay, Sky haven't wowed us yet. So you rank him. ITV won, probably BT number two. Sky in a kind of distant third. There's nothing on Sky that's exciting. You know? oh, just a quick one. We've touched on women's boxing. Sam Smith fights for the European title in Madrid. Friday night. Yeah, Friday, March 22nd. Super tempted to fly out there. Just that the beers after that will be incredible. Win, lose or draw. So you know, just trying to weigh up the the cost-benefit aspects of it. But really happy for her that she's got another chance. And, you know, yeah, I get a hard time for this. I'm going to say thanks to Steve for putting that on because I know she was meant to box in Sheffield last Friday. 
and that was kind of in a stay busy fight, but Steve's managed to secure this opportunity. So I really hope she goes off and does her thing. Is that it? Is all we've got to say about the zone show? I think Luke Campbell might have fought. Luke but... Campbell did. And oh. he's now mandatory for Mikey Garcia. Campbell looks good under Shane. You know, people ask me, what does Shane McGuigan really do as a trainer? Look at the body attacks all of his fighters have now. You know, it's not a very British thing. And like, Campbell was really digging to the body, like you know, investing heavily with those body shots. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see what Garcia does. I hope he vacates, but we'll touch on that later. But I'd like to see Luke Campbell fight for a title now. He's, what's he, 30, 31? Yeah. He's you know, not older. Yeah, he's not young and he's had a really long amateur career. Like this guy was knocking about with guys like Amir Khan and Kel Brook in the juniors. And he's done, imagine going from that to 2012. So he, he I mean, the guy's put his time in. You know, it would be good for him to win a world title. Uh, I think under Shane, he'll defend it a few times and then he can decide what he does from there. Um, right. Errol Spence versus Garcia on Saturday. Now that is this is the fight that I watched. Give us your assessment. What happened Andy? in well, the clip that, that you watched? Yeah, that is exactly what it was. Actually, what was more accurate of my experience of this fight is waking up and scrolling through my timeline slowly and watching people's reaction to it. So I got Craig from Fight Talk, or Craig or formerly of Fight Talk. I got um, <laughs> uh, rub it in. Uh, yeah, um, Sam of Fight Talk um, going through, and they were just sort of saying how Spence was starting to dominate and Garcia was just constantly starting getting peppered starting then, <laughs> well, this was at the beginning of the of the fight and then uh then there were some clips that had been put on there I can't remember who had put it on there just showing Spence dominating 95% of the clip then followed by maybe Garcia throwing a few shots and uh yeah and then I just flicked to the end and it shows that uh, Spence had won Despite the fact uh, Garcia have made it to the end of the fight, which seemed to be the most surprising aspect so, of the competition. I, I think there are very few fights that make sense by framing them in reference to numbers. But Errol Spence threw a thousand and forty-five punches or something around that figure, and landed like three hundred and fifty of those. That's the elite boxing brain against another elite boxing brain, and you're landing a third of your punches. That's absolutely insane. And also to throw a thousand punches. That, right, that's so, their Pacquiao, their peak Pacquiao numbers. So is that good or bad? It's absolutely that, insane. Good. That's mind-blowingly good. What landing? They're the kind of numbers when Pacquiao was juicing. Big yeah. When, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. No, like, he did love his Tropicana, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's that's unbelievable. So you're throwing around 80 to 85 shots around. Against someone who's not there to be hit. Bear in mind, this isn't like you could do that against a journeyman, right? If he's durable enough, you could throw a thousand punches against a journeyman. But that's Mikey Garcia, a guy who's been through it all, seen it all before. And so you've so got. Can you can you give me some sort of um, frame frame what this contest looked like before it happened? What were we expecting to okay. see? So the the big debate was. Is Mikey Garcia big enough? The other, and then on the other side, it was, is Errol Spence fast enough, clever enough, and disciplined enough to deal with the 
what we thought was a smaller, more mobile, faster fighter. So Mikey Garcia's coming up from 130 pounds. He's been kind of knocking about 130. So like from lightweight through to light welterweight, he's been shifting around between the two, just picking up belts, picking up names. And then going up to 147 for this at welterweight was... Well, I mean, it turned out to be a step beyond what was, was possible. Um, but, you know, that that's what the, the question marks around the fight were, is that Mikey Garcia has proved himself as an elite amongst the lightweights and the, the light welterweights. Could he do it and is um, Spence an elite welterweight? You know, he's beaten Brooke, he's beaten various names. That's where the intrigue was around the fight. Um, and would Garcia be able to... Because, I mean, <laughs> you forget until you watch Spence again how long those arms are, how big that man is. Like, he's probably a middleweight, like naturally a middleweight. What was interesting was, I think the fight day weights, so we, because I think for the IBF, you weigh in on the morning, right? Yeah. Spence, 155 pounds. Garcia, 153. But... But didn't look it. Garcia had eaten his way to welterweight, yeah. didn't he? Like, you could see that. He wasn't, he wasn't toned. He wasn't ripped. He wasn't muscular going into that fight. The so, kangaroo jaws slightly disappeared. Um, so does yeah. this, is this a case of guys that should really should really be separated by weight divisions i.e. maybe two weight divisions yeah yeah if well if not more like spence is the upper end of welterweight garcia can make lightweight without too much problem so so i'd flip it around and i'd say mikey garcia would have probably given you know certain you know like if you look at uh, who was it that thurman fought just now uh, the guy that oh, fuck it, I forget uh, broke Ortiz's jaw yeah, yeah I've, Joseph Cito Lopez so Mikey Garcia versus Joseph Cito Lopez I'd back Garcia to win that Joseph Cito Lopez is a good gatekeeper Spence showed he's light years ahead number one number two when you watch that fight <laughs> there were so many things that were beautiful to watch that if you're not really into the minutiae of boxing, they're kind of, you're like, ah, whatever. But what Spence does beautifully, if you look at, like, he splits the fight into quarters, three, six, nine, all the way through to 12. First three rounds, if you notice, Spence doesn't do anything, really. Well, it doesn't look like he's doing anything. And he's willing to give ground in the first three rounds. So if you notice, he'd, he'd hop back twice. And then Garcia would be like, okay, cool, I've got this guy. And as you're going to step in, he just leave the jab there. And you go, okay, no, 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 no. I'm going to come and take that ground back. But what he's done is it's a net benefit that he's now closer to you and he can work on you. And Garcia couldn't figure that out. He couldn't time that. He couldn't get his distance right. Because like you said, Martin, the arms are so long, it doesn't make any sense. They're freakishly yeah. long. They're freakishly long. O'Hara like, Davis long. It's so weird to watch. that. And I know that he's a naturally smaller man, Garcia. So the challenge was always going to be to get inside. But it's not until you see how effective he is at that use of range. And also, just the jab, like coming off that southpaw, for the first half of the fight, Spence was always using his lead hand just to go over the top of the Garcia hand. All the way through the first half of the fight. Second half of the fight, he wasn't even bothered about that. No. He just stopped doing it and just was but, firing off his own jab at will. But it's interesting because the first thing I did when I watched, I saw how much higher, forget how tall they are relatively. They're, they're, it's, a, it's a myth in boxing. Always look at the shoulder line. And 
Spencer's shoulder line was so much higher than Garcia's. So he always had the dominant hand position because his shoulders were just so so much higher. And so Garcia's there trying to jab up, but there's an arm in the way. Yeah. And I think Garcia had quite, not Garcia, Spence had quite big gloves as well. So he's just able to nullify the jab that Garcia was throwing. And Garcia couldn't get that confidence off his jab. And then when he did try and go with the backhand, Spence would just take those two steps back, come straight back on the attack. And in the end, you could see Garcia, by round three, he's gone, right, I've done everything I can. Spencer's looked at me and gone, you've just shown me everything you wanted yeah. to do tonight. It hasn't you've worked. You've chucked your playbook at me. Round four, now. boom, boom, boom. And you're just there immediately like, stop, stop it. No, that's Mikey. Right. He's a so, kid. So I, I, I can't, and forgive me if it is, if it was uh, Sam or Craig that I'm, that I'm ripping off here, but... I read a tweet last night that was saying Mikey Garcia has basically had years taken off his career from that last. Like he's got absolutely pummeled last night, and that's taken years off his career. No. Why? Why did his family, who are in his corner, allow that so, him to get taken so, apart like that? So it's not true. If you saw, like Garcia threw a lot of punches, landed a lot of punches, but go and watch how many times. Spencer's power shots caught a bit of the arm, caught a bit of the glove, or sometimes caught a lot of the glove. You know, Garcia was very, once he knew he couldn't win, he got into that kind of sparring partner mode he probably had when he was coming up in the game, when he was fighting bigger guys like Brandon Rios in the ring. And you could see that he'd do these little clever things, like he'd just ride the shot, and it would be like a five or six degree turn inwards, but it would take the sting out the shot. You know, it's still a scoring punch, but it's not anything that would rock him. That I'm trying to think, at what point was Spence rocked? He might Not Spence, Garcia rocked. He might have taken a body shot that doubled him over temporarily, but that was it. That I'd call that more of a slow puncture fight. So it's not something that's going to take years off your career, but you might want to chill for six months and recover spiritually, not necessarily physically, because I don't think so, he took a pun. He didn't take a pummeling. What? So... From his from his perspective, from his corner's perspective, you get to round nine. It's very unlikely he's going to win, right? Yeah. yeah. Why does he carry on? It's unlikely he's going to win, and there was zero chance of him knocking him well, out. Well, this, that this that's what but, was but, but he's a proud man. Like mm. he doesn't want the towel to come in because there's a boxer that's going to hurt your mor uh, your morale. It's going to hurt your ego. And actually, as Terry says, if he wasn't cut up. He wasn't like he no, wasn't he showing right. any. And he wasn't only, showing any bruises. His nose looked about. Yeah, that's the only and so thing. if I'm his brother in the corner, I don't think it's right to chuck that towel. But in, necessarily, <laughs> but like, from I'm a tactical one. perspective, it may would make sense. No, right? no, but but remember, there's two things. Number one, end of round nine, he looked at his brother and went, "Mikey, if you don't show me something in this tenth round, I want to stop it." How are you feeling, Mikey? Said very clearly, "I'm okay." And Mikey's brother's like, "Are you sure you're okay?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And there was a poor, up earlier in the fight. He goes, "What's the power like?" Notoriously, a poor judge of, of his notoriously <laughs> boxers in a ring that have been battered. <laughs> notoriously no, no, poor at judging no, how but, well they are. But but then, but then earlier in the fight, Garcia had said, "What's the power like?" And Mike is like, "Yeah, it's okay, nothing special." So at that point, as a trainer, they're going, "Okay, fine." He can see it through till the end. I imagine because it was round nine where Spence really turned it on. Is that the round where they gave it a ten eight? One of the judges yeah. gave a ten eight. And then after that, Spent, uh, Garcia came back out far more aggressively, took taking more risks, landed more shots, came back. And you start saying, okay, yeah, there's still, there's still life in him. He's not tactically set up to win this, but he's not going to get knocked out. So what was the key element then that won it for Spence? His shoulder height? Mm, 
control of distance, number one. But also, he he has so many elements, right? But they're all eight or nine out of ten. He's he's so complete as a boxer, and we'd never really seen the side of it. We'd seen bits of it in the Kell Brook fight. You know, the patience, the discipline, working consistently behind the jab. But we hadn't seen him tactically outfox someone this way. So just to give you an example, Spence essentially used his key shots in this fight with a jab. Then it was a, le- it was a backhand, but it was a backhand straight and the backhand around the corner, which he mixed up. Not only did he mix up the shots, but he mixed up where he threw them from. So sometimes he'd throw, he'd throw it from the center line. Sometimes he'd move left of the center line to throw it to get a better angle. Sometimes he'd be right of the center line and he'd throw it. So Garcia couldn't read where the attacks were coming from because Garcia was moving between three positions, left, middle, and right. And he was varying his shot selection. So he'd come over the top, he'd come underneath, he'd come round the side. And you're just like, this guy's doing everything. He's not doing one thing that I can pick up on and nullify. So Garcia struggled. And I almost think, what had made you think you could beat Spence? Is it that you had just been sparring bigger guys and it wasn't bothering you? And you thought, actually, I could do this to Spence. Because once you got in there and you thought, all right, Garcia, at least get on the inside. And Spence wouldn't let him get on the inside. And then in the second half of the fight, as soon as, as, soon as Spence thought, actually, let me show these Mexican guys I can box on the inside too. And he savaged him. And the amount of, t- like, I love watching it when you get that elite level southpaw that is happy just to move the glove, the lead glove of the orthodox fighter out of the way and just hold the, there are a couple of times where he just hold the glove like with his lead, his right hand hold Garcia's left hand away just to create the space himself. And so like when he was just shoveling in a couple of little body hooks or little body uppercuts, and he would just hold that hand out of the way of Garcia's. You're like, oh, it must be so frustrating. <laughs> but it's so fr- when you're Garcia and you're protecting yourself and then you're not because your opponent's pulled that hand out of the way of his. You're like... Can I just move this, mate, so I can hit you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Would you, would you mind moving for me? Yeah, just Cheer so I can... Out. Bang. Nice one, mate. Cheers. <laughs> now you're going to hop back out. But, but, but we so can't enough, hit me back. The guy we have to thank for this, I think, is Manny Pacquiao because traditionally, Errol Spence would have turned out like an identical Winky Wright. They had him as a safety first boxer who threw a few combinations and sort of won rounds as he went along. Pacquiao showed how effective attacking southpaws can be. And people have done it in the past, but I just mean in this modern era, Pacquiao showed how successful you can be as an attacking southpaw. Spence has refined that and gone, I can now be attacking, but unlike Pacquiao, who's incredibly unique and unorthodox i'm going to do it with just solid basic fundamentals there's nothing spence does that's flashy you know look you guys watched it and you watch clips of it. it you look at spence and you reckon you could do that right you're like you know what? i can copy that yeah. i can do that in front of the mirror yeah you, you, and, until you got to do that in the ring no, no, I'm not. and then it's like uh, that's really hard to do yeah but what, you, what you're watching isn't beyond the realms of you know, I could go and glove my hands up and do that to a bag. Yeah. But I couldn't do that in real life. Clearly, I couldn't do that in real life. And, but, and for 12 rounds as well. Yeah, yeah. so disciplined. It was, and, and then even in the 12th round, like when you're clearly likely to be 11 rounds sunning up, they're like, go in and get him. Go in and get, like, finish him in this last round. A lot of boxers would have been told to, like, just take this off now. Don't take any risks. Don't do anything stupid. 
But no, Spencer's corner. We're like, go and get him. We want this finished. Um, just a quick one, Terry. It, have, is there any famous fights? Might be people listening to this now that will go, well, obviously, remember that fight. But where someone has dominated... I might be thinking it, but you haven't asked me. Fuck you. Dominated a fight for 11 rounds and then got knocked out in the 12th round. <laughs> Harold Graham. Mm, but wasn't that the fourth against... Julian Jackson. Yeah, he didn't go the full distance, yeah. but he was on but, top and then got caught. Yeah. I, I, but none that stand out in your mind where someone has dominated a fight for a majority of it and then... Gro- been... Gro- Frotch Groves won. He wasn't dominating it. Yeah, he, the scorecards say he was. <laughs> he wasn't like... Well, How? From, from rounds one to seven, there was only one winner, right? Frotch comes into it in the, in the eighth and he gets stopped in the ninth. He was on top, but he wasn't dominating. You can well, just, well go, back, go, go back to round seven where it was just Frotch hanging on for dear life and how that wasn't stopped when <laughs> Groves just started. Oh, you on about the first one? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you said the second one. No, it's the first one. No, I've got you, got you. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, so the, as I'd say that we one. We do apologise sometimes. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, 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 I can think of fights that have been that dominant where it's just been a complete shutout and it's like Mayweather Marquez which was a similar narrative and I look at probably Mayweather Canelo where it's just been you know there's yeah. there's no answer to it there was probably not an easier night were that Spencer's had in his career than last night like well, for what for the punishment and the damage that he took in that fight yeah he's probably not had an easier fight not to say that he didn't have to mentally stay switched on throughout it, and it's not to downplay his achievement in what he did, but you know he could probably fight next week on the back of that. Like but, he took very little in return. But we need to now give Kel Brook his due, because for the eleven rounds that Brook fought, I think he gave Spence more problems than anyone else yeah. has. You know, you go back to watching because we, I think we said it at the time, they're kind of mirror images of each other where. There's nothing flashy about Kel. Kel is just discipline, fundamentals, and a little bit of geometry. And I think with Spence, Spence has that extra level where he can box in multiple dimensions, whereas Kel's quite one-dimensional. So if you look at the, the, just the little clever thing Spence would do, where he'd, he'd shoot a jab and he'd dip off to his left. And then he'd shoot the same jab and he'd slip off to his right. So now as an opponent, you're like, I don't know which way he's going to go. So I don't know what counter to set it up with because if I miss with the counter, he's ready. And so you could see that Garcia was of the view that I'm not going to let my hands go until I'm confident I can land. And Spencer's like, I'm not going to let you get confident. Was it just me who like, by the eighth round, I wanted Garcia just to sit on his chest and if it meant he got knocked out, he got knocked out. But actually just leave everything in the ring. So I didn't feel like Garcia left everything in the ring. I didn't feel like he really went for shit or bust by like round eight when you're clearly eight rounds down. And I'm not I'm not saying it's a really wise thing to do is risk getting knocked out yeah. to try and get the win. But on the other hand, I just thought he went into that mode that was more survival than attack. Which is why I can't understand what what there is to be gained aside from just foolhardy pride who's from just hanging in hanging in there well, if you're not going to go for a knockout and you've got three rounds of like nine minutes of punishment and you've got the rest of the the rest of the fight that's happened before you to like oh that's the punishment I'm likely to take a portion of in the next three rounds why not just stop okay. do you know why 
So, on a side note, Darren Till got knocked the fuck out last he night, did, didn't right? He? Now, yeah, now Darren Till tweeted O'Hara Davis, something like O'Hara Davis is a cunt, right? O'Hara Davis sees Till get knocked out and tweets back quite rightly. You know, this is this is exactly what you should do as men. He's like, okay, I'm going to hold that L you just gave me there, Darren Till. You better never lose. So O'Hara responds back with, you know, he makes fun, yeah, your career's done and all this. And 60% of the comments were about O'Hara Davis quitting. So we're in a climate now where a boxer really can't quit. That's where we are. Nicholas Walters, he's never been the same since. All these guys that have quit on their stool, the boxing fans haven't forgiven them. And when a push comes to shove, they go back to that, you quit. But I mean, that might be the, the corner's job then, to chuck a towel in, rather than for the boxer to say, you know, no more. Um, but I say for me, I would have just, maybe even just for one round, really to see Garcia open up, throw everything and see if he's got it or not. But but he tried, right? When when Spence was like, actually, let's, let's, Spence was like, let's see what happens if I go on the inside. You know, you're Mexican. You know I mean? Let's, let, let, you know, you must have a little bit of, you know, a bit of Tejano in you, man. Come Machismo. on. Yeah, you've got something. I'm going to be on the inside. And Garcia tried to open up, but like Spence was doing that clever stuff of manipulating the geometry on the inside. So, he could secure one of Garcia's arms. Garcia's there going, trying to free his arm. And in that instant, boom, Spencer's hit him again. So it becomes demoralizing when at long range you're struggling, mid range you're struggling, and on the inside you're struggling. It's one of those where, I'm trying to think of a way of putting it. Do you know when you get something new? Let's say you get a new tile cutter, right? And you go, fuck, I've got a Which new tile cutter. Which is where I was going to go with this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about Topps yeah. tiles as well. Yeah, no, you got a, you got a tile cutter. Tile companies are, they? And, and you're thinking of all the cool stuff you can do with a tile, right? So you go, actually, I might retile the bathroom. And you get about 30 minutes in and you've just, you start to look at that wall and go, fuck this for a game of cards. That's how I imagine Garcia was by round three. But at that point also, you've bought a tile cutter. So you yeah. have to finish that wall. Yeah. And you can't go back to the wife and go, we should get a professional in to do this because what I've done is really bad and it's going to take me ages to finish it. Because she'll go, well, why have you spent 200 quid on a fucking tile cutter? <laughs> and why, do, why are the tiles, why are they shaped in like a half, like a, like a rainbow kind of shape? Why have you just written send nudes in tiles? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, so that's where you ended up with Garcia, where this must have all been a great idea. I'm going to go up and wait, challenge Spence, and then, yeah. a tile cutter. and then all of a sudden you you know he was in there like oh man this is a lot harder than I thought and that's why he said like in his post fight interviews he went look this guy he's the truth there's nothing I could have done and I, and I think he's probably right the best version of Garcia we've ever seen doesn't beat that version of Spence yeah okay so uh, where do both fighters go from this point onwards then Spence Pacquiao he was in the ring interesting that Sean Porter didn't storm the ring but Pacquiao was there. Was Pacquiao, given you've just said that Spence put up a performance that was similar to peak Pacquiao, does Pacquiao pose much risk to Spence? Nah, probably not. I don't think, looking at it, I don't think Thurman does. Certainly not the Thurman we saw last time out. Whether he gets anything back that he's perhaps lost. We know what Porter's... Porter might be an interesting one, to be fair, because Porter would just try and rough him up yeah. and be almost the the opposite of what Garcia was. Where Garcia was reticent to take the risk to get inside, I think Porter would happily take those risks And he's inside. a big welterweight. And then once he's inside, just do his dirty stuff that Porter does. You know, the the holding, the grinding into him kind of stuff. That might be an interesting... I wouldn't favour Porter to win it by any means because I think 
Spence would have enough about him to keep him off, but th- that would be maybe the the closest right now. But so I think I think the, the elephant in the room remains Terence Crawford. Yeah, I mean, but he's a top ranked fighter, isn't yeah. he? So it's just it's not gonna happen. Uh, Garcia, I just want him to. St- I just want him to rest, vacate your belts, rest, recover, drop e- down, rebuild. Lomachenko, nah, nah, nah. I, 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 you can't go from a guy who was like a big Lomachenko last night to facing the real thing. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know when the quicker one? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But they, all those size disadvantages have been gone. But but it wasn't size that lost it yesterday. Arm length was, it was certainly do you know what a, it was? a factor. It was skill. It was speed. Because whatever we want to say, Spencer's punches were faster. He was more creative in how he manipulated the geometry in the ring. He had more ideas. He didn't run out of ideas. He was more... Deme- he, you could have shrunk Spence down, right? He'd have still won that fight comfortably because he was so far ahead intellectually of where Garcia thought he was. Lomachenko's probably a level above those guys in terms of what he does in the ring. So let Garcia drop down fight I don't want to say a soft touch but even like a guy like Adrian Granados who who give him some work or look Eddie Hearn's looking to throw money around let let him fight Ricky Burns mm-hmm. and then and then let's see what's left of Mikey Garcia at that point and then we'll see if the Lomachenko fight's viable uh, an exciting weekend we move on to uh, your call. Now, I don't claim to know the ins and outs of everything that went on there. You definitely will, Martin. But Linus Udofia won. And that's what I'm happy about. He did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he was fighting Darren Cardona in an English uh, middleweight title final eliminator. It was probably the best performance of Linus in the last 12 months. Probably of his career, to be fair. Um, against an opponent who was there kind of... <laughs> say to win makes it sound like everybody else wasn't when you know he's fought a fair few journeymen along the route in the the kind of infancy of his career but Darren Cardona was there to pick up the win um opposed but, a credible threat yes yeah that's mm. a better way of putting it perhaps um and Linus just had better everything than him and everyone that listens to this knows that I'm a friend of Linus and a fan of Linus I was just chuffed for him last night. He got a seventh round stoppage after dropping him twice uh, en route. Um, and I was chatting with Darren Cardona's team afterwards, and they were, uh, you know, they were very humble in the fact that they they knew that Linus was better than their man. Like, you know, they were saying everything he did was stronger, quicker, faster, better, and I think they realised that. But they had to keep Darren going and try and motivate him to get through the fight um but they said you know they recognized his trainer johnny said after he said uh, you know linus will go on and and do good things um, so that that is as you say an eliminator for the english title yeah um which is likely to happen when uh it depends um i'm not sure when the mandatory's due on it so i don't know right okay. um but yeah, I mean, there's some other stuff. So shout out to Jumani Camero, who I know Terry's a, uh, a fan of. As a man, Jumani came up and met us in Manchester when uh, we went up for the Eubank uh, Groves fight. The, the, the day after doing the same thing. After he'd fought on the David Hayes show the night before, 
Jamani's a lightweight, right? Keep this in mind. Jamani's a lightweight. He took the fight with Freddie Kawit on the David Hay show, uh, well, the Joe Joyce undercard. He took that fight on like a week's notice at welterweight, so two weights above where he should have been, um, and gave a, a solid a solid performance for himself. He didn't win, but, you know, he, he didn't make a mug of himself at all. Against Freddie Kawit, who's gone on to win the WBO European title uh, at welterweight. For what it's worth. <laughs> shitty title um, but it puts him in the top 15 of the WBO so fair play to Freddie a notoriously difficult place to get yeah I mean <laughs> near impossible um, but yeah last night Jumani he got the phone call and uh, got offered the fight I think it was on Tuesday to fight Adrian Martin who's an undefeated prospect at light middle so now he's gone from being a natural lightweight going up through light welterweight welterweight light middleweight turns up on like four days notice and beats Adrian Martin um, wow. and just wore him down. Like I think once he'd realised this, Jumani must have a head made of stone or something because <laughs> like he's taking punches off this guy who's three weights above him. And I think after one round was like, well, that's fine. I've realised I'm not getting hurt. So he was then just happy to just keep walking Adrian down. He was pinging Adrian around a fair bit. Uh, it was only a six-rounder, but Jumani won it fairly convincingly. Um, there was always that fear that he was going to, as the away fighter, not win convincingly. Um, I think I had him four rounds to two up out of it. But it was just, Jumani's such a fucking dude as well. Like I was just chatting to him before the, the, the show kicked off. He just sat around on his phone, long dreadlocks, just sat there, chilling out. I said, oh, where's Sean, your trainer? He's like, I don't know, I got here late. I think he's in the calf, but I'll just go sit here for a bit. <laughs> You're fighting a guy who's like three weight divisions above you in a bit. Jamani's just the man, like such a cool bloke. And you're a big fan of Adrian Martin as well. Yeah, I like Adrian. I've known Adrian for a fair few years. He's a decent lad. What did lad. he do wrong then in that fight? He, I think he's had a career where for nine fights, opponents haven't been always there to get the best out of him he's had soft touches along the way um and Jumani wasn't a soft touch Jumani was there to pressure him sit on his chest walk him down give him fucking nightmares for the evening and Adrian just wasn't prepared for that mm. and the, despite the fact that he's naturally three weight divisions below Jumani was a pain in the ass to him all the way through that fight and that's what it was, was that Adrian wasn't, I don't think, prepared but, for someone to be a pain in the arse. But d doesn't Jumani train people as well? I think he does a state of mind, doesn't he? No, I don't think he does. You've got Sean, Brian and Barry that train out. No, but I mean like just train people, not, not boxers. PT stuff. Yeah. Right. And Because I, I, I think at that small hall level, that can often make a difference because... Well, so does Adrian. That is levels. But so... <laughs> Wait, he hasn't finished his point no, yet. So, so, Poke so, holes in it later. No, so, so, sometimes, <laughs> so sometimes when you do that and you do it to a good standard, and I, I know a couple of the guys are state of mind, it's, it's not a shabby operation over there. No. And I think for what they charge as well, you can't offer shabbiness. So when you do that, and in your head, you've got to think how boxing works because you can't teach it unless you break down the mechanics of it, right? And Jamani's, and this is where... I probably draw a line. Jamani's quite a smart guy yeah. in terms of like real high order intelligence. But so is Adrian. Adrian's like Adrian is an ex university. Yeah. He did accountancy at university. But, but I think sort sort of different types. So there's, I think 
And, no, no. So listen to this. So there's converging and there's diverging. Now, this, this, look at him. No, no. There's converging and there's Keep diverging. Digging, this is That's hilarious. Good. You're enjoying this. So when we were in Manchester with like Jamani, right? But so was Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Twice. <laughs> Adrian's been to Manchester twice. Sorry. With you guys. <laughs> he, he fell down the stairs too. <laughs> no. So, 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 so they're different sorts of people. You, you could have any kind of conversation with Jimani about any sort of mad shit. And we did in Manchester, right? And I've also spent 40 minutes uh, consi- like, continuously talking with Adrian. Yeah. And Adrian's quite a guy. He focuses in on a target. Like, that's how he gets to his point. It's all very focused. Jimani is a bit more divergent. And you can see this in boxing. Like, we call them like corner to corner guys. They're very focused. Do this, do this, do this, do that. Bing, get out there and do it. They do it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You get someone like Jemani and it's like, I need you to do this. And then you'll go, yeah, he said I should do this, but this, <laughs> this is working better. And that's how they work. And that's why they're very different in that sense. And that's why when you train someone, if you've got that divergent approach as well, your mind, your, your brain's more stimulated when you fight. And maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I just think Jemani's so chilled out. Like... I think I saw them both before the fight, like backstage. And Adrian's very focused, very focused. Like people, almost like the stereotypical boxer, what you'd imagine of like eyes just straight ahead. All just, whereas Jumani's like really loose. He's down and on his Martin knees. And Martin pulls Terry out the hole with comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Jumani's like, he's down on his knees. He's just shaking off with Sean Earls. I was chuffed for Sean Earls, who's his main trainer. I was chatting with Sean Arthur. Good guy. Um, yeah, real good guy. He was up in Manchester as well with Adrian and Jamani. Um, yeah, well, everyone was there. Yeah, but now, like, Sean was chuffed for, for Jamani. Um, so I, I might go and see those guys. It week. sounds to me, then, that the key difference in this fight may well have been adaptability. I think it was the fact Jamani's had tough fights before. Jamani had Jeffrey Afori at lightweight. Jeffrey Afori's a little wrecking machine. He's now, what's he now, Southern Area now? Yeah, he beat Jamani for his Southern Area title. He's a little wrecking machine, like a real handful is, is Afori. Um, you know, he's had the Freddie Quit fight. He lost to a journeyman over a four-rounder, like early in his career, Jamani. Um, yeah, he's also won the Southern Area title himself, just saying. Um, he's had hard fights from the off because he doesn't sell tickets, which why is he a way fighter in this scenario? Um, I once got a phone call. I won't go into the details too much. I had a message of someone up north saying like, are there any lightweights that you know of that like don't knock people out consistently but have a winning record and you know would be up for travelling up north to take on a prospect? I was like, Jamani. Jamani's a lightweight. He doesn't knock people out necessarily, but he's fucking durable. Um, and yeah, he's beatable, but he's also a, a, he's got a good record. And so Jamani got the phone call to go up north into Sunderland and fight this geezer. And Jamani stopped him in one round. <laughs> I've never had a text again asking for my matchmaker to, capability. To be fair, he didn't know you was sending a box up that can beat boxers three weights above yeah, him. Either. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so now, nah, look, I'm just so chuffed for uh, for Jamani, and I hope it doesn't put Adrian off. I hope it's just. You know, he he had to have that test of somebody that was there to be a handful for him because he's not had that yet. And he's failed that test. But that isn't to say that he can't come back and, and 
achieve something with his career, which I hope he will, because Adrian, um, you know, he's he's a lovely lad. I hope he can do something. Just taking you back one step to Linus, um, obviously you've got the English title, he's got the English title coming up. Where, how far can he go? It's difficult to say, isn't it, really? I mean, I know Terry's hot on Denzel Bentley. Uh, I'd love to see that fight between those two. Love to see it. Um, I think he can be a British champion. It depends upon who else is still around at British level as he makes those steps through. Um, but in two years' time, I would love to see Denzel versus Linus go their own way until that British title fight in two years' time, even a year's time. Oh, man, that would 18 well, months would maybe be perfect. The- They'll fast-track Denzel, though, because... Jesus, can the kid actually box? Like, I know people talk about his knockout power. Am I coming through on the mic? It sounds weird. It's like I can hear myself. <clears throat> you should be able to hear yourself. And, and yeah. yeah, yeah. Go on. <laughs> no, so. <laughs> well, unless you've no. suddenly gone totally no, no. deaf on me or something. I hope not. Fucking hell. What, what was that? <laughs> no, so Denzel, like. Denzel's Fisher trained. Like he, he there's a discipline to his boxing. And I look, this is why I've got to give Dan Aziz credit, because it was Dan Aziz ages ago. Dan Aziz was like, I know you guys talk about Linus, but you gotta see this Denzel Bentley kid. And you know what I'm like, I'm just like, ah, whatever, man. Yeah, you got banging the drum for your mates. And then you saw Denzel Bentley, you're just like, Woo. Did I send you the video where I fucked up his IFL interview? Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> Isaac was doing the uh, interview. Yeah. yeah. But Coogan looked happy though. You know, yeah. I, don't worry, you, you guys are cool now. No, 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 I need to touch on this actually because you were saying about this last week. And I, like, there's this mythical thing that I have an issue with Umar at IFL. I have an Umar issue with Umar at IFL. I didn't well, like well. his interviews going back which was to do more with um, the approach to some of the small hall lads. So there was a lad uh, said about the time, uh, Reese Catamol, who's a deaf lad that it would have made a lot of sense to have mentioned that Reese was deaf when doing the interview with him because it would have explained a lot of the nuances of how Reese speaks. And as somebody who's very close to deafness, I know about these things. It would have made sense and it was never done. That was what my issue at the time was with Umar. So I don't know why Terry's shadowboxing over there. Um, I don't have an hype. issue with Umar. I think Umar's done some fantastic work subsequently. And I enjoy watching his videos now. There's nothing whatsoever. Like It, it was, it, it was so funny when Coogan's first thing was, he just looked at him and went, how was your mate? I've seen, I've seen <laughs> Coogan since then. Like Coogan's fine. I might well see Coogan tomorrow, possibly. Um, think, we'll all be there. So I think, I'll I, just be I, there so as peacemaker. I think mainly that this comes down to the fact that because what social media has the, the the role that social media plays in the way that people interact is widely covered but what i think another level it has on top of things is that when any criticism is given automatically people look for the most acerbic way it could have been presented rather than looking at it as anything in, the, in terms but, of construction. But also, yeah. Like, Umar was inexperienced when you made that comment, wasn't he? He yeah. was new to IFL and probably could have done with somebody helping him through that process. And if anything, it, it, it should have been... You know, if, it, if you have somebody new at work, you don't go and put them... I remember at the same time he was interviewing Calla Sauerland and that's quite a big interview yeah. for IFL. Off you go, mate. Yeah, to do Calla Sauerland. 
Now, you wouldn't give like your work experience kid one of your key clients at work, would you? Um, and it's just, it was about that. It was about nurturing Umar. So they've had to fast track him. And I love the fact that he's got that graft. He's got that grind. And just because you give an opinion on somebody like 12 months ago doesn't mean that your opinion has to be the same of that person in 12 months. If you don't like their style of doing something 12 months ago, if they've changed that style and they've improved significantly and they've worked hard to do it, brilliant. Like, and I think that about Umar. And I think, great, good on him and fantastic. Do you know one thing I've learned? is just, just it's just hard to criticize on social media and not because you're wrong for criticizing. I mean, it's more in the general sense, no specifics. It's not that you're wrong. It's that most people on social media are the kind of hypersensitive characters we've talked about in the past, right? So, so they see it and they go, oh, there's, there's Martin having to go at somebody else now. We, we, which is what people say. There's Martin having to go at somebody yeah. else, which, you know, <sighs> which is, which is, then you stop people. And, and I'll do this with boxers, where boxers go, you know what I mean? You give boxers a hard time, Terry. And I say to them, but when you go to Nando's, if your chicken's cold, are you just going to eat it? No, exactly. You're going to say this is unacceptable. But, yes. but, but boxers forget we're, we're consumers of their product. Like, unless I'm your friend, then that's different. But as, as a guy doing a podcast, I consume a product that is boxing and I often pay for that product. So I'm telling you what I interpreted, what I took away from that. You need to take that on board if you want me to come back. Do you see what I mean? I, I just think that this suffers with so many problems. One, if I'm down the pub and I hear someone saying something next to me about something, even if it was something I was doing, I wouldn't give two, two roots about it. But when you see it in the written word format, it does have a different effect on how you absorb that information. Different reach. In, uh, as well as that, if I was going to have, if I had a sincere issue with someone close to me, I wouldn't do it over text because I know there'd be certain tones and the way that I was meaning many things taken out of context, which is something else that social media suffers by. And in third, a third point uh, would be the fact that, um, as you were saying, with people being as you say, hypersensitive, there will be people that are hypersensitive, yes. But they're also, they, they are a direct, um, they're a, a direct cause, um, effect, sorry, of the people that are, as I said before, acerbic online, acidic criticism of things that, you know, blown out of all proportion. Somewhere in the middle, there'll be people that make good valid points that then are, then hypersensitively but, uh, reacted to. Take a step back. Go back to your school days, right? Just look at your own year at school. Remember all those kids that you had to have balls of steel to fuck with, right? They're just, they're, 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 there weren't many of yeah, them. Yeah, they were one of me, weren't they? Nah, I don't know. Nobody messed with me. All right, then. <laughs> you no, but it, true, but, don't you? <laughs> but, no, but there's a handful of people, they're like, you know what? Maybe I could win that fight. But ultimately, I'm going to have to really fight to win that. Is it worth it? Nah, I'll leave those knuckleheads. You know, they're not going to do anything with their well, lives. Well, I might win, but then... All these mates will come back for me tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it this just a, causes so a whole look, lot of pain. There's a group, but when when those guys were in, when those guys were around you, you couldn't be that little guy talking shit. Oh, so and so is a dickhead. They'd be like, "Who are you talking about? Shut up!" And that's how we used to regulate things. Like there was a degree of self-regulation in groups. Those guys who never really had a say because they were they used to just talk out their asses. They discovered things like Twitter, and and then they went, "Ha ha." 
Stop me now, motherfuckers. And that's what happens. So now on Twitter, you've got these guys who never really had a voice at school because, you know, they didn't want to, they didn't want to take that step up. But now Twitter gives them a platform to be horrible. And that's why, if you notice, a lot of these guys are really horrible towards women because they live out the rejection they went through at school. They're really horrible towards women. So, you know, like, there was a picture of Michelle Joy Phelps that went round, right? It got sent to me. And someone literally took this photograph. It was like a full front-on selfie. It wasn't a great picture, admittedly. Someone put a moustache on it. Like, literally, moustache, wrinkles, made it look like an old man. And I thought to myself... It's a lot of effort. Yeah, A, a lot of effort. B, I bet there's no women that find you attractive if you're doing that sort of stuff. You know, where does that hate come from? I don't know where your mind no. goes. Where does that hate come from? And, and, and you know, and if you don't get girls, cool. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not oh, here. Oh, where's not, this going? I, I'm not here to judge. That's just nature's way. Do you know what I mean? But don't hate women for having an opinion, having a judgment and making a selection. Don't hate podcasters for having a view. Don't hate celebrities for having a view. Just engage like on a civilized level because it's not my fault if you were bullied at school. It's not my fault if you had no friends at school. It's not my fault if your life was screwed up. Please don't take it out on me. Don't take it out on other people who are not accountable for the things that upset you. If it's, if it's something I say that's upset upset you, cool. Let's have a discussion about it. But don't lash out. Don't project your issues onto other people. Life is hard enough for all of us individually. It feels like you might be referencing something else, Terry. But anyway, let's move on. Anyway, you're cool. Yeah. Right? <laughs> K Prosper Sam Omazon yeah, was uh, the was main this event. beef between you and Omar, by the way? <laughs> As I say, shout out to Omar. I'm only I enjoy joking. his work. At the time, I thought there were issues with it. Which his there work, was. There was. His he was work experience. He was given too big a projects for the experience we had. And his Every, work. All of us have suffered from that in the past. Sorry. And his work now, I really enjoy. So mm. cool. Mm. Absolutely cool. So well done. It, yeah. Nothing else. Like awesome. Well, he's managed to swim in the deep end. It keeps doing off it. The bat. it. Keep doing Fair it. Fair play. Um, so yeah, K. Prosper, Sam Amazing was the main event. I, just, I need to just stop you there. The fact that you never told me you interviewed Ryan Rose has still fucked me up. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, Ryan Rhodes is almost too cool to be a boxer. He's a brilliant man. You actually just want Ryan Rhodes, right? And, like, 20 quid of your ticket should just be the fact that you get to see Ryan Rhodes walking around York Hall in a Canada Goose coat. And then last night, I got to sit three yards from Ryan Rhodes working the corner. He's, He's brilliant, isn't he? You know how he sits in that mad, like, wise man crouch? Yeah. Like Go on, Sam. Go on, Sam. Get the jab in there, Sam. And then every now and then, because Sam Amazon dominated this fight for, like, two rounds. I'm talking, like, I thought, and speaking with Kay's team afterwards, they thought Kay was fucked after one round. He got hit with the beauty of a shot. Legs went Bambi, and I thought that was it. And it ended as a draw. Uh, I scored it five rounds all. It ended as a draw. And it was a, such a good fight. But you see Ryan, like, a couple of rounds in, he's quite nice, chirpy, happy with what's going on. By round eight, round nine, he's like, he's getting the towel and wiping his head. <laughs> he's proper animated it was great fun he gets like that because I remember I think the the Lua Nessa fight against Brad Watson got to him Brad was fighting last night ah how is he Uh, first round stoppage nice yeah it was good he was good good Good, because he was like Lua Nessa did a number on him for ages right and Ryan's there and Ryan's there like listen yeah because Nessa's quite 
you know, hands down quite showy. And he was like, no, nah, man, you got to keep your hands up. The kid's still in there. And Nasser wouldn't listen. And now uh, you could see that devastated Ryan when the fight had to be stopped. Yeah. Um, and you could see, like, I think, he, like I said, he's, he's that guy. He's almost so nice, isn't he? He's such, yeah. a, he's such a dude. I saw him Friday and I saw him Saturday. Ah. And just, he'll stop. And uh, I was with JP of Boxing Loot and, and his mate was there. And he's like, is that Ryan Rhodes? And then Ryan Rhodes walks up and we're like, Ryan, can you do a photo with JP's mate? And he's like, yeah, man, cool. And like just stops, has his photo, has a chat with him for a few. Uh, Like, honestly, the man is just so calm, so well-mannered, such a dude. And then you're like, fuck, you've shared a ring with Canelo. Like, you've been British, you've had those fights with Jamie Moore. Like, ah, there's something about him that speaks more than what he says. Almost you like... I'd like to see him coming up now. Yeah. Like, can you imagine Hearn would just be like, oh my God. Yeah, he would be great. But yeah, his, you know, his charge, Sam Amazon, um, heavy hands. But I think they trained assuming this was going to be a bit of a walkover job. I think they'd assumed Sam would get K out of there by the fourth because that power drained from Sam. Um, you know, the, for three rounds, they were thudding shots. You know the kind of shots where you're sat there ringside like, fuck, that's going through yeah. me. Like, yeah. It's going through Kay and then through me. But Kay weathered the storm and fair play to him. He, like, his conditioning must have been exceptional to handle what came at him early on. Um, so especially after round one when we sat there like, ah, ah. And then... it. <laughs> When Sam Amazon was dominating or winning rounds, he was dominating rounds. When Kay was winning rounds, he wasn't dominating. He was just winning. Um, so I had it five rounds each and that's how it ended up. But it was it was such a good fight. One of those real ones where you're like eight rounds in and you don't realise it's eight rounds. Yeah. You think it's three that have gone. Um, just a real pleasure to watch. But Are they going to do it again? I don't know because uh, they had to get Sam down for that and they had to get Kay into that uh, position to do so. So, I don't know. If they, if they do it again, you're not interviewing Rhodes without me being there. <laughs> um, but, look, it was, it was great. Just a quick shout out to all the people that were there. Sat with Sam from Fight Talk. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Dwayne Sinclair. Dwayne Sinclair stopped a man that Dillian White didn't stop. Um, fucking impressive. See, people don't realise. So, Dwayne Sinclair is this guy. You know, the, in, in most gyms, wherever you go in the world, there are guys who are better than their reputation mm. and their record suggest. Dwayne Sinclair is that sort of guy. Like one of the reasons Boatsy's as good as he is, is he gets to work with Dwayne Sinclair. Dwayne's heavy handed and he's not a shit boxer either. Uh, and he's one of these guys that uh, there's a reason why people like Dan Aziz and Craig Richards come down to see Dwayne Sinclair. He's so respected in the sport. Well, Dan Aziz was there last night, yeah. sat behind me and like, there was almost a little bit of eye contact between the two of like, we should do this. We yeah. should do this. And then Dan Aziz was sat behind me like, ah, I'll, I'll take that now. I'll take that now. Yeah. And so that is a fight. Yeah, Dan Aziz versus Dwayne Sinclair. We're, we're, all, we're, we're all from that kind of group. Like I remember Javan Young fighting Dwayne Sinclair, Dwayne Sinclair fighting Charlie Duffield. Dwayne's been at that kind of uh, the mythical 81 kilo scene in London since about 2009 2010 where he's had that name and so people respect him because to guys like Craig Richards and that he's like the big bro yeah 
So he's, he's also not got time on his side. Like to yeah. look at him, you wouldn't realize, but he's about 34, 35. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he needs to get that move on now. Hopefully, they can open opportunities for him. But there's so many fights you'd love to see. Yeah. You'd uh, love to see. And I, I just wanted to shout out Dwayne because, you know, sometimes we talk and like guys like Dwayne, they're, they're loads in every gym who are really fucking good, but probably couldn't sell tickets. And that's why they don't have the records of other people. But but Dwayne's yeah. doing his thing. Dwayne's doing his thing. And Joshua Boatsy was there last night with Dwayne, which is great to see that they go everywhere as a, as and, a pair. And, and good to see like Mark Gillespie is doing the, the Hollywood stuff with Josh and also the small hall stuff yeah. with with Dwayne as yeah. well. So that's always good to see. Yeah, it is lovely to see. So there were so many people down there like Mahib Fazeldin and Paulie Upton who signed with Steve, came down last night. Um, Waddy Camacho ahead of his British title fight next weekend. Uh, My new best dressed man in boxing. Ronald McIntosh was sat behind me for the entire night. Uh, did he Did he, Did he? he criticise your writing? <laughs> yeah, Martin, you didn't say stanza. Well, it was... He was only really there for the Mikel Lawal well, well, fight, fine. but fair play to Ronald McIntosh. He was there before the doors opened and he watched pretty much every fight going through the night. He's a real student of the game, McIntosh. We might take the piss out of him sometimes on it, but he loves the sport. Like He watched so many four and six rounders last night. The many people who were only there for one fight, and Mikel Lawal well, was... Four, four the, and six stanza. <laughs> Lawal was on the penultimate fight, so he watched pretty much every fight before how, that. How did Lawal get on? He won uh, points. Um, I like it. i tell you my memory of him, right? So in Manchester for the Groves Eubank, when it kicked off... Yeah, I remember you saying about this. It was... You got all these travellers kicking off, right? And they all gave Mikel Lawal a really wide berth because he still he still had his boxing stuff on pretty much, right? Was it like two ends of a uh, a magnet? Pretty much. <laughs> just working so, around. So I threw Winnie and I was like, Winnie, just fucking stand in there, right? That's where it was safe. We can watch from here. Yeah, there were so many, but like Rob was down there. Um, Rob Martin. Yeah. What Does he ever get a weekend to himself where he's like, you know what, I'm just not going to do any boxing? But love it because he went down there to support Dwayne. Like he's buying tickets off boxers and he's going down to these events. Love Rob. Can't but, speak highly enough of them. Um, but so many people. So I'll forget those. Brooke was there, like spent the evening with Brooke and she's always great fun at yeah, a boxing event. Um, just so many people, so many boxers that are down there that spent time. Just I love those nights at York Hall where you just get the time. JP was there. Why are you not mentioning JP? I mentioned JP earlier. No, no, JP, JP. John Pilato was there. Oh, John Pilato. I didn't see John Pilato. Oh, He's fighting man. next week. Brad Pauls was down there supporting Linus. Um, but so many people that, like, I'm going to forget names, but just people you love to spend time with that are good people that love the sport. Like, it's all positive and I love that. Did you sell the tickets? Did I sell the tickets? Yeah, to the next live show. Yeah, fucking listen to this last week. I'm like, oh, we're doing a live show. Are we? Right, well, who's doing the admin? Because I normally do it, and I've not been consulted on this. I was chatting with Sam about it last night. We'll have a... Uh, we'll have a debrief. Yeah, I'll have a chat with Sam further. Uh, but it's not ruling it out by any means. There's an appetite oh, for it. I look at the fans now. The, the fans are, at least the fa 12 the, fa the fans are there like, fucking podcast politics, you know, fucking purse splits, <laughs> broadcast deals. <laughs> Can't you not just fucking get it on? I Stop offered, making us wait. I offered Sam and Richie 30%, so I'll have to see. On the zone. They can have 90% if they want. 90% of zero is still zero. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a billion dollars, mate. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we'll do the O2. It'd be great fun, though. We'll see if we can do Jacob, we could do your call. We'll, we know other podcasts have tried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. We stand undefeated. Is that still going? 
Pound for pound? Yeah, it is. No uh, one talks about it anymore. What a load of shit that live tour was. Fucking hell. So it never got going? No, did it They just cancelled it all. Due to poor ticket sales? Yeah. And no, he was on fucking national television. What did they think? About it. But yeah, but what did they think? Do they really think that, oh, we'll just get the machine behind it? But I think they genuinely thought, say they get, I've genuinely got no idea, but say it's 50,000 listens a week. That's completely off the top of my head. That is a lot of listens. Okay, but let's go with 50,000 because oh. they've got that machine behind them. Okay. 50,000. Now, they were going to do, what, 10 venues? Each of, say, 1,000. So that means one in five people that listen to you would have to be willing to travel and buy a ticket just to watch the geezer from EastEnders do his podcast live. <laughs> like, I know the numbers we get that listen, and I know we tried to sell out, and we did sell That's out, true. a 60, 70, 80, Where? 90... Which is about... What, the courtyard? Oh, the courtyard's about 110? No, no, we are closer to 130. Okay, and we and we overclocked as well. There were people I was just saying, listen, just come in. Well, basically, okay, it was so less like than ten percent of our nearer about five. And yeah. so, if you're saying fifty thousand people listened, and you worked on that same provision of five percent of people would be willing to come and see you do it live, why are you looking at all these theatres and then doing it at York Hall? It's fucking yeah. should have rung me up. A tour fucking... makes sense if you're doing it in a hundred seater theatres, but, but not if it had just thousands. But also just done your call, just do your call. That probably would have worked. Yeah. But like that was their crescendo. No, no, it wouldn't have worked. And here's why it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> Look how much work we've put in to knitting together a community of people, and not just oh, you lot listen to our podcast. No, we're we're elbow deep in it. You know, we know the people who come to watch our live show are people we pretty much know personally, right? And we help build bridges. We help bring people together. Our listenership allows us to do that. Shout out Dan Glozier, follow up from Andy last yeah. week. <laughs> but when you do pound for pound, I don't think you can do that in the same way because you've got other things going on in life. You're not knitting people together in that same way and definitely not a community strong enough that you can mobilise them to fill your core. Well, I've got 10 minutes. Cool. Uh, Yard versus Kovalev is our last point on the agenda before Terry It's been ordered. It's been ordered by the WBO. Let's see. 30 days bam, per spin. So, so, what does this I, mean, uh, though? So what? what? As what it, means, it was No, no, no. It was ordered on, say, Monday. It might have been Tuesday. From that date, you have 30 days to come to an agreement to fight. So either Warren makes them an offer that they accept, or Kovalev's team make Yard an offer that he accepts. If they can't come to that agreement after the 30 or 31 days, then it goes to purse bids. Now, then anyone can. Anyone can. Anyone, but assume it'll be either Kovalev or Warren's team. Or or Hearn Hearn being a prick. Or Hearn being a prick. And I think that, you know, if you were to say Yard doesn't want this fight, like, let's start with that mindset. I'm not saying that is my mindset, but start with that mindset. They might well say, God, I hope Hearn takes this and, like, does put in a bid, because then we could just say, no, we're not doing it on the zone, sorry. But let's see what happens, because fair fucks to Yard. If he goes ahead and they put in an offer or. Kovalev's team make an offer and they accept it and that fight goes ahead like fair fucks to, to Yard everyone's gonna have do you know I just want all all cards and cash donations to the Terry Was Right Fund I'll gratefully receive because what if he wins or if he fights to be honest I think just him fu- taking that fight I'm not donating for that yeah come on I'm not well, donating for that no, bullshit no no wait 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 what's it 18, 18 fights in you Still and, not donating for that. All 18 of the money in that in, fund is it, going yeah. to 
Terry's created a but headache for the podcast the fund, like which is in jammed debt. Him, jammed him in debt. <laughs> Negative no, equity. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's because the promoters like filibustered his way and then like managed to somehow land him at number one. But but we but that's what we jam that's what we gave him criticism for. But if you go right, this guy's gonna fight Kovalev. And even if he just puts up a credible fight, yeah, yeah. you're like, all right, yeah. There's no there's no harm to Yard in going in there losing as long as he puts up a decent enough fight. There is an awful lot of credit for Yard if he goes in there and beats Kovalev. Yeah. And, and I will I will not give Yard any shit whatsoever if he takes this fight and loses. None you can mark that. I will not give Yard any shit whatsoever because all I want to see is him take that legitimate fight. The only way I'll give him shit is if he doesn't throw a punch and like gets fucking laid out in one round. Then that's different. But if but, he can put yeah. up a reasonable effort, I think cool. I think the appetite in the camp is Lions. If if the money's right, <laughs> if the money's <laughs> right, we'll take it. But then you know that 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 hides a lot of things. But no, fair play to Yard for doing it, and that's what boxers should do. I think after fifteen fights, right, you've got to be looking to test yourself. Like no more. Ju- for me, my cutoff point is fight number thirteen. No more journey. I agree, and I was thinking when I watched that Adrian Martin fight. Going back to that earlier, that was his eleventh fight, maybe I think twelve. Like every boxer should have to go through a Jamani Camaro. Jamani Camaro ought to be the test for every boxer between light and maybe even middleweight. Every boxer should have to fight Jamani Camaro in their twelfth fight. He's he's like our Josecito Lopez. Yeah, you just have to get through that guy. Yeah, and he he's just waiting. Like he doesn't need the phone call. He's just checking box rate to see who's on ten, who's on eleven, <laughs> and he's just turning up at their fucking venue next time they're due to fight. Jumani Camaro should be that man. <laughs> and every boxer should have to go through it. So you don't get anyone to like 15 just fighting journeymen. AOB, Terry. Quick one. Uh, we've got the yeah, Euro- right. got, no, we've got the European under 22. So we've got the ladies boxing. I think Shona Whitwell got the bronze. I said earlier, Amy Broadhurst got a gold. Haven't received the results on Ellie Scottney yet. But listen, those three women, when they decide to turn over... Yeah, they're, they're as real as it comes. There's Paige Murney, there's young Georgia up at EIS as well. British boxing in terms of the female side is absolutely booming at the moment in terms of just the talent that's being produced. So I'm just proud as punch at, for all of them. They just get those medals. And I forgot to say this last time, man. Ben Whitaker coming back with, he came back with a gold from Finland a couple of weeks ago or last week. You know, 81 kilograms. If we send him to the Olympics, I think he'll be the star of the 2020 Olympics if boxing still allowed because Jesus, the kid can box. And I'm looking forward to him turning pro more than I did any of the class of 2016. He just looks like he has something different. So yeah, Ben Whitaker, get interested, get involved, get behind. Oh, I'm a boxer making an announcement. The greatest concept in boxing going. Oh, that sounds uh, pretty level. Why, why are you so behind in mine? I quite like it. Nah, I might... Um no conflict of interest then. Fine. No. Um, <laughs> I might go down for the launch tomorrow. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I might go down. We'll see. Oh, that's what. MTK. They're really going in, aren't they? So, you know, that it's all been confirmed. Now, Frampton's one of the, the guys that will now be fighting on ESPN. You know, he's obviously got Fury on there. But I think Billy Joe's, well, he'll be part of that deal to be announced. And then all the guys MTK have influence over. Like, 
it's just growing, isn't it? Whatever it is MTK are doing, whatever sorcery and magic they're doing deep in the catacombs, it's impressive, it's exciting, it's scary, it's worrying, it's all of these things because they won't tell us what the master plan is, but they just seem to be everywhere at once. Um, I saw, and bearing in mind, I sent you, you two guys screenshots of that journalist guy who was getting paid money by a national newspaper that was getting all kinds of facts wrong in a, in a recent thing about, you know, recent <laughs> thing about boxing. Anyway, there's enough that said, said about that. But I can't remember if it came from that article, so I'm, I'm trying to qualify this potential question with, you know, swipe me away if it's a load of shit. But is Wilder Joshua any closer because of the fact that Fury signed for ESPN? No. no. Stay so further away. Wilder's just said thanks, but no thanks to DAZN. Right. And okay. allegedly 100 million, but he suspected not 100 million, but whatever. Um, it's a Hearn 100 million, which is a fiver. <laughs> um, but no, no, it isn't at all. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with this whole MTK stuff because they had the Box Nation stuff, didn't they? But they were meant to be putting 30 shows per year on Box Nation, and that never came off. Uh, and then they went back to showing it on IFL, and now they've got the ESPN stuff. It's just interesting to see because I love watching the MTK and part of my voice note last week was how poor the British Warriors um, live streaming on Facebook was and it looked like it was being done on a potato and it was just really, really bad, um, which was a shame because I wanted to see some of the the fighters in action on that, including Zach Chelly and Umar Sadiq. And I really, I thought it was just weak and I think British Warriors are better than that. But MTK, conversely, have really upped the live streaming. Um, so, like, before the main event, which was Michael Mackinson, Ryan Kelly, um, they had, like, a filmed stuff of them in the gym and the interviews and the all that stuff that on a live stream from the Brentwood Centre makes it look like a TV product. It makes it look like a legitimate product. They've upped what live streaming is about, along with the commentary team. The whole thing just looked like a good product, like a TV product but for free on YouTube. Um, but I was thinking back to, they were meant to be doing it on Box Nation for X number of dates per year. And really, are ESPN and ESPN Plus going to be falling over themselves to be broadcasting Michael Mackinson versus Ryan Kelly? I don't think so. So I can only assume that MTK have got bigger plans for shows than what they're presently putting on to be tied in with ESPN, unless ESPN are just doing it for volume of, of but, product. Or, or, or alternative is actually, when they did the Box Nation deal, there was one state of affairs, right? It was, we'll see what we can do on BT Sport, Box Nation. And then that Fury Wilder thing happened. And it suddenly was like, whoa, this is bigger than we thought it would be. And all of a sudden, you, you, you got Bob Arum talking to you and going, well, actually, I think we can work together. There's Tyson, Tyson Fury's back. He's probably better than ever. He's more relevant than ever. He's bigger than ever. And suddenly MTK go, whoa. You can have him if. We, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. We, 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 you got to bring all of this. And like, we're, we're not going to give you this low-level stuff. No, no, no. We're going to keep that in the UK, obviously. But these are the things we're working on. Like, we expect to get all of these guys on. Yeah. And you know, if they give their word, then, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I say it's just it would be interesting to see what the product becomes if it's still going to be what we're used to, which I'm perfectly happy with, and actually I'm even more happy since they've upped what that product is on YouTube. But I don't see how that is of any benefit really to people in the US, especially when you're talking streaming. It's not necessarily catch up that you can watch it in the morning. No one's getting up in the US to watch that level of show. Um, 
it's going to be very, very small numbers if so. So it's just interesting to see if MTK will get bigger and bigger. Some of their shows are fantastic over here that they do, the small hall ones. If they get bigger and bigger to start trying to draw in that American interest, all for it. Good stuff. I did love the fact that when that was announced, Dan Aziz was like, I sort of knock people out on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus." <laughs> right, I need to get going. Cool. Right, fantastic. We skipped over some questions, didn't we? But sorry. Uh, only had one, actually. We can I do that. Time. Ten seconds. The only question I did have was, question for the pod from UK boxing fan number six, Mark. <laughs> Interview. Uh, any ideas what's gone on with Coogan and Helga, uh, Helder, who set up IFL and they no longer work together? In the early days, I thought the better quality of interviewing came from Helder. I would suspect Helder has sold up and is pursuing other opportunities. He's no longer a director at IFL. I imagine those who have purchased wish him all the best in his future endeavours. Yeah, I mean, there are stories, but I've never heard anything factually, and it's not stuff that you would then divulge onto here. Um, but, you know, he's back and he's in the limelight and he's doing his work with the football stuff now, James Helder and retired footballers. All the best to him. That is that, as they say. Martin, you will be home in time. Yeah, I need to and put my foot down. You won't have seen a Prius go this fast for a very long time. Oh, my God. They start to rattle at 42 mile an hour. I don't, that's what I heard. It's when it comes off electric mode, my friend. So <laughs> I start hurting the environment. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you actually, yeah, next week. We'll see them. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye.